I am a compulsive overeater, 100-pounder, um, and I want to thank Ellen for asking me to speak. Um, it is always an honor anytime I have an opportunity to give in some way to this program, which has completely saved my life. Uh, to qualify, I've been abstinent um, 20 and a half years. Um, my abstinence date is August 4th of 2002. Um, my top weight that I know of was 311 pounds, and I've been maintaining about 165 to 170 pound weight loss for approximately probably 18 years now, um, all by the grace of God, the gift of, of working the steps, the willingness to be uncomfortable, and all the things that I've learned uh, on this path of living uh, that we get to embark on. Just to kind of give some qualification as to where I come from, um, I, I would say it was probably a normal weight until about puberty. I hit puberty a little early. Uh, I just remember my mother brought me to Weight Watchers for the first time when I was 10. She brought me to, it's around the same age that she brought me to buy a girdle panty. <laughs> I think that's what those were called. I just call them old lady panties. Um, which I was mortified by. Uh, and so clearly, like, at least for her, and on some level, my weight was already an issue. Um, and I just knew that I was pretty cut off from my body. Um, one of my main alcoholic foods is uh, sugar. So that came to, into play very early on. I do remember that, uh, having a, a pension for it. Um and getting as much of it as quickly as possible uh, into my system was the best thing ever. And, um, you know, I didn't really think anything of it until clearly it became a problem that my eating was what was causing me to be fat, although that's what, that's what people told me. I didn't look at it that way. Like, I was just drawn to the foods. I was just drawn to eating that way. Like I didn't really think about it. It wasn't a conscious process for me um, because it was a coping mechanism. Like I just didn't have the tools on how to live. I didn't know how to express myself and what I was feeling. I was really uncomfortable in my skin most of the time. Um, things got really complicated for me early on and I didn't have um, a way of surviving and I think I just learned how to numb out basically is what it amounted to and so that practice carried me um, for quite a long time I was in my late 20s by the time I entered program and you know I was pretty numbed out um, I had briefly some basic experiences around dieting when I was once when I was in seventh grade and uh, and then at the very beginning of high school. And there were always sort of like extreme things where I would go, I would eat very little or whatever, or stop eating all the things that I really liked eating and would lose some weight. But then I would plateau and I didn't really know what that was. And all of a sudden I was really uncomfortable. And, um, you know, the last time I did something like that was actually right before I came into program. <laughs> I, I was experiencing some kind of vertigo or something in this. I want you to get 
like eat just these kind of foods. And basically it was like no flour and no sugar. <laughs> and I, all I remember was a couple of days into it, I was back in his office crying. Like, I can't do it. I don't and he was just like, if, whatever, just go back to it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, I think he was just so freaked out. Like, I didn't know that, like, basically you had just, I had just ripped from myself all of my things that kept some numbing for me in the world and was left with all these feelings and stuff. And, and you know, it sort of correlated that when I did get into program probably about six months to a year after that, um, I, you know, got that like, oh, if I'm going to remove food, like I need to replace it with something, you know, which for me is the steps, which is for me, my higher power, which is, you know, the tools, all those things. Like I can't just removing the food, like if it was just that simple, that all I do is remove the food, I would have done that a long time ago, you know. I mean, I, I liked the sensation I got from eating, but to be honest with you, it wore off really quickly the the further and further I got into my disease, like which is clearly why I needed more and more and more in order to satiate myself, you know. And so, um, like I said, by the time I came into program, I was pretty cut off from my own body because, again, my body was a problem. Like, as far as I was concerned, life would have been fine if I just wasn't fat. You know, I'd have the boyfriend I wanted. I'd have uh, I get to be the dancer that I wanted to be, you know, I'd be considered pretty, all those kind of things, you know, it wasn't just, you're such a pretty face, if only, you know, if I had a dime for every time I was told that growing up, I would have been really rich. And so all those experiences basically, you know, set me up for a continued story in my head that, you know, my body was the problem. And um, having had very confusing experiences in my body at a young age, not knowing what that was. I just decided it, it must be me. You know, I must be the one who's at fault. I must be the one who's having problems. I'm the one who's messed up. And so, again, if my body would just change, everything would be fine. But I had no real conscious way of, like, understanding, like, how to do that. Or even that... You know, what's a miracle to me in program is that, like, I have a completely different relationship with my body today. And not just because it's not carrying around hundreds of extra pounds of padding, but because I have painstakingly, one day at a time, one moment at a time, begun to reopen up the door of my thinking about how I see my body to my higher power, you know. And But I have to say that I could not do that work until I got abstinent, until I stopped feeding myself um, the things that that kept the distance between me and God. You know, um, what I noticed for myself was that when I first started my abstinence was just very, the bare bones of my abstinence, which is still there, which is three meals a day, nothing in between. And that's how it started, because there needed to be periods in between meals where I wasn't eating. And then what became really clear to me early on was that, like, I had an issue with sugar, which is one of my alcoholic foods. And so for some reason, there was some willingness, I'm sure, because I had started to go to meetings and I had a sponsor and I was developing some structure in my life 
there was enough willingness to feel like there would be something or someone there to be with me if I was willing to let go of having blatant sugar, some people call it recreational sugar, um, for 30 days. You know, I wasn't going to die. And I was like, okay, well, all right. Like, I haven't died not eating between meals, you know. And at the time when I came into program, I was a teacher. So during the day, I was fine. It was like once after school hit, that's it. It was on. So the fact that I could, after school, just have dinner and then be done, I mean, with that in and of itself was a miracle. So I trusted that. I was like, okay, well, all right. So, and... My experience of first coming off of sugar was pretty, it was, it was actually a relief. There was this like quietness in my head that like hadn't been there before. There wasn't all this constant chatter. And then um, after about 40 days actually of not having sugar, I had some because I hadn't agreed to never have it again. And, but what, happened at that point was that for the first time I felt it go through my body and it felt like complete crap and I was just like oh my gosh like I had no awareness that all the years I was literally like pummeling and shoveling that stuff in my body how much it actually didn't feel good and I thought oh my I don't want to do that anymore and so from that point forward, I, I haven't had any blatant sugar. And so um, then, then that got added to my abstinence. So slowly I began to add alcoholic foods as they revealed themselves to me. And I decided I don't want to keep hurting myself with these foods. I don't want to keep um, that thing that would, clearly was a buffer between me and God. Um, because all of these things enabled me to believe more and more that there was a power greater than myself that could restore me to some sense of less self-hatred. I don't even know about sanity, but it was just like not hating myself all the time, not waking up in the morning being like, ugh, okay, fine, you know. And and then over time, I reached periods of like, wow, the noise in my head got louder because all these different defenses of characters began to surface and I began to see the behaviors which ultimately led to, you know, my needing to eat. Because if you're, I don't know about anybody else, but if I'm busy telling myself all the things that are intolerable about me and that I can't stand about myself and all this sort of stuff, like I need something to come out from that, you know. And so I didn't have... Um, the foods anymore so I began to experience the feelings because the food did a lot of numbing of the feelings Um, and there was a lot of crying and a lot of writing and a lot of step work that needed to be done in order to begin to heal those wounds and again getting to lots of meetings committing my food getting on the scale once a week these were all the structures that I had to put in place in order to be able to continue to move through these steps, because each one of these steps asked me to step a little bit closer to to God, to my higher power. And that meant stepping further away from all the stories and ideas about I had about who I was and who I was supposed to be and who I wasn't and how I was failing and 
what, how I wasn't measuring up and how it was my fault and all these other stories, right? All these other ways and these machinations I had created simply to survive. You know, I wasn't doing it because I had some sort of cosmic, you know, um, sense of like, this is the best way to live. It was like just trying to get by, you know, trying to make sense of things that didn't make sense. And so as these different coping mechanisms that I developed in a time in which perhaps they were needed, but how how it lived themselves. And I had begun to step into a place of like, oh, maybe it's about time to grow up. You know, they talk about in the AA literature that like, I think it's, I forget where it is, but it says that like, basically we realized like they did a survey of alcoholics and they're, they're childish, selfish, self-centered or whatever. And that much to our demise, we thought that they were correct. You know, I'm completely paraphrasing. I forget where it is, but, but you know, it's, it's very true. Like my perspective on things was very much, um, you could say at the age in which I really started eating, like from a childhood perspective, you know, everything's black and white, this or that. There was no place for nuance. There was no color. There was no gray. None of that. Um, And so it was very much a childlike perspective, which makes sense when I'm a child, but I'm now a grown woman. And so if I want to continue to move forward, and it talks about that actually in step six, where it talks about how step six, um, which is became willing to have God remove these defects of character, um, that 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 is the step that separates the men from the boys. And what it's talking about is it's how um, that's the point at which we stop living by our objective. Like, I want what I want, and I want this now. Which, to be honest with you, when I'm, I know that's my disease, because it starts to sound like, like a, a wiry teenager or a petulant child, like, but I don't want to, you know. It's like, hmm, okay but I'm an adult woman, so I have a choice here. I can either do this now or I can suffer these consequences. There is no I don't want to and therefore I'm going to throw a temper tantrum so that I don't have to because I can't crawl in the I need to show up for work. I have to pay my bills. Like I have to be an adult in my life. I don't have to be. I choose to be. And what the steps gives me is a way to deal with life and to be in life to navigate around uncomfortable circumstances, to show up and to do my best. And where um, I falter, then I have a process of making amends. And I have a process of handling situations which used to baffle me. You know, it talks about in the promises. Like I consistently find myself in situations I'm like, wow. There was a time when even just thinking about having to do something like that would have made me be like, is there any extra peanut butter cups around? (laughs) You know, or whatever it was. Like, I'm going to need to stop by the frozen yogurt store before I do this, you know, and so on and so forth. Because that was how I measured my life. Like, well, I can do this or I can speak up for myself because I'm now going to go stuff my face after I do that because I'm so afraid of how you're going to handle it after, um, after I speak up for myself, because clearly my responsibility is you, you know, or really it's not even that. Cause I know I used to think of myself as a people pleaser, but I realized that was actually kind of faulty because I really, my ultimate five minute general reminder. End, thank you. My ultimate end was that you would think that I was okay. 
And so to do that, I would try and please you. But really, I was really trying to please me and make me okay to you. So it really had nothing to do with you. (laughs) And, you know, again, more stories and ideas that I had about the best way to live, you know. And that so while I'm squashing myself down, I then need to stuff everything down after that. So given that that was no longer an option, because once I got to a healthy body weight, it was like, okay, well, I don't want to do that again. So now I have to figure out a way to navigate, you know, and that's, like I said, where working the steps was like, okay, this is how I do this day by day, you know, the 10 steps that I continue to take inventory, continue to set right what um, has gone wrong, you know, continue to seek my higher power in step 11. Um, continue to carry out the program of action, to reach out to newcomers, to, to work as a sponsor, to to show up, to be of service, anything that I can do to carry the message. You know, because in carrying the message, that means I have to be the message. And, you know, the fact that uh, though most of the time when I'm going through difficulties in my life, and I do go through difficulties because it's not like I got abstinent and life just like was like butterflies and flowers and rainbows, you know, it just meant um, like they talk about in literature, living life on life's terms and not needing to be in fantasy land or in one of the big book stories that talks about wanting to be plucked magically from where I was to a place of, of prestige, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I could say that the job that I now have has, is, I hold a place to prestige in the company I work for. Um, But with that, really honestly, just becomes more things to be responsible for and to show up for and to be visible um, when I'm, you know, engaging and um, taking care of things. And on a lot of levels, that's frightening as heck. And so I just ask God for the power and the courage. And I do my best to be of service because I feel like this is, you know, God is ultimately God is my employer. So it's about me being able to be of service in this capacity. And that's why I have this job. Not because I think it's this or that, you know, and so that has to remain my constant goal. Not about like, how can I make myself look good or be impressive to these people or whatever, because that'll take me down a road. That's just a bunch of mess. And next thing I know, I'll be looking for some kind of extra pizza or something like that. Or start eating pizza again or whatever. But anyways, um, my point is that, you know, we have such a gift in this program. And I'm so grateful every day that I was so desperate and so broken down and so heavy and so laden and so burdensome and that the food on some level had stopped to work because if it had not, I would have kept going. You know, I'm a, I'm a bottom of the barrel compulsive overeater. I I don't think it was because I went, Oh, I'm getting close to 325 or whatever it was, or I mean, who even knows? Like the top weight I know was 311 because that's the last number I remember seeing on a scale. But I can't tell you how long it was before I walked in the rooms from the last time I was on that scale. And I was not doing anything in terms of like trying to curb what I was eating there. I couldn't do a diet to save my life. So the fact that I go through life today and I don't eat my alcoholic foods 
and that I stay committed and I stay the course no matter how I feel because somehow miraculously I've built up enough evidence to realize that it always turns out better when I'm on that path than to turn and go back to the path, which is always available to me to go back down that dark road that I came off of, that I got up and out of because somebody grabbed my hand and said, here, I've done it. Follow this path. You can do it. I'm not special. It's here for all of us. And I guess that's what I would say is that if there's any part of anybody who's thinking, well, that must just be for so-and-so people, like do not leave before the miracle happens. Do to the best of your ability today what you can to work this program as though your life depends upon it because I don't know about you, but mine mine does. And it will be that for the rest of my life, one day at a time. And I'm so grateful. Never been so grateful to have gotten to over 300 pounds. I've never been so grateful to be like a bottom of the barrel compulsive overeater um, because that's what it took. Then that's what it took to get me to the path of the 12 steps. And I have not regretted a step since then. And I'm so grateful. So hopefully something I said was helpful. Thank you for letting me share. Uh, I will say that my number is 818-359-8964. Again, that's 818-359-8964, specific standard time. Um, if you're interested, you could also reach out to me by email. Sometimes that's easier. It's C. T-R-A-C-Y-0-3 at msn.com. And uh, I think I'm supposed to pick a theme or a topic, and so I would just pick gratitude. So thank you for letting me share.